0: Uh, last week, I spoke a little bit about a philosophy of ministry, which can be a, it can sound like it's complicated, but it's actually really not complicated. It's just a way of articulating what kind of church we are. It guides ministry decisions, uh, it takes the eternal word of God, and then discerns the specific calling of uh, an institution, in our case, Redeemer, uh, for our day. Okay, I have a slide for you. The next one, it's probably actually, yeah, let's see. Okay, so, Caitlin and I are still working, by which I mean, Caitlin is still working on the graphics, so you're getting my bare bones, incredible graphic design right now. I thought that would be funnier. Um, <laughs> the graphic will change, but the content won't, and we're gonna start with the trunk. A philosophy of ministry um, has several parts, and I didn't wanna give you all of it because there's just too many words. And you're in the middle of a sermon which has lots of words so you start with the trunk um, and that's the stuff you see when you're closest to the tree worship transformation service in your bulletin you can see worship is we are a worshiping community transformation is we are a worshiping community transformed by god's grace and service is we are a worshiping community transformed by god's grace into servants of all all. That's what that is. That's what you're gonna see. It stabilizes how we see God working out the vision and mission that we trust that he's given us and there'll be more on all of this later um, and definitely over the next months but I just want you to have that in your head because what's happening now is we're trying to distinguish to talk about um, that big transformation piece and how it relates to that service piece. We're going about to do a several-week sermon series on worship, so I'm kind of bypassing that because we're going to get a lot of that in a little bit. Um, and so last week I talked about um, that transformation piece, the gift of God's grace, that it is by grace, transformed by God's grace. And it is something that activates us, activated by God, but activates us. And so that's what we're going to do Today We talked last week about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in cahoots with one another, bringing forth his loving kindness in the world. And we have been a rebellious bunch of creatures. We've broken ourselves and the world, and we've broken ourselves more trying to fix ourselves sometimes. But because of his grace, God doesn't respond by throwing us in the trash. God prepares us, he repairs us with gold. Something more precious than gold, Peter says, the very blood of Christ. And he intends to repair us and the universe every square inch of it. And so we are his workmanship. We become the masterpiece of his redemption, and we don't deserve a lick of it. That was the key of last week. But we still get it for free, his gold, not ours. And that grace begins to transform us. And it transforms us into servants, into bowls to serve the world and lamps to light it. It's a foundational reality of the Bible that we are saved by grace alone, but that grace never comes alone. It shapes us and changes changes us. And it can be confusing at times The Bible always mixes the ingredients like the Trinity of Cajun seasoning of grace, good works, and salvation. And sometimes you can read it and you can get messed up, but the Bible never confuses them. They're always around, but always distinct. So, next slide. For by grace you have been saved... Through faith. This is not your own doing, your own work. It is the gift, grace of God, not a result of your own doing, your works. So that nobody gets to be braggadocious. For that's my translation, by the way. For we are his workmanship. We are his work created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, those good works. So, next slide. So you always have God's grace, salvation, and good works in the mix or in the equation of the Bible. Salvation is a work of God's grace. We can't work enough to get that grace. But then that grace gets us... Works in us so that we do good works, because we are made for His purpose and meaning in the world. That becomes the beauty of our salvation. So what we have to do is get the math right, next slide. Here's the two options for the math. God's grace plus our good works equals salvation, or God's grace equals or yields yields our salvation, and good works are good works and salvation. Here's the bad way to do it. That's number one. Next slide. God's grace plus our goodness equals salvation. That's bad because it's impossible. And again, my graphics. Can we we speak to them for a second? Uh, The scripture says you are broken. You cannot repair yourself. It could say you have fallen and you cannot get up. If grace can only rescue us when we add our good works to it, which means it depends on us, then we and the world are doomed. That's bad news, but here's good news. It's actually fantastic news. And the next slide with incredible graphics is God's grace actually equals or produces if I was being chemistry-minded, I'd have put a little thing on it, so yields. I remember that from ninth grade. Good works and salvation for us and others. We don't initiate grace. We don't acquire grace by our actions. We don't acquire salvation. God's grace comes in and it yields good works, yields salvation to the ends of the earth. It is that beautiful combination that salvation, that grace itself produces in us salvation, and through us to the world. That is the beautiful good news. I want to read something to you, and it's by uh, an author named Robert uh, Farrer Farrer Capon. And he's talking about the Reformation when this this reality was rediscovered. And he says, when the Reformation learned this, or relearned this, it was a time when men went blind, staggering drunk because they had discovered in the dusty basement of late medievalism a whole cellar full of 1,500-year-old, 200-proof grace bottle after bottle of pure distillate scripture, distillate scripture, one sip would convince anyone that God saves us single-handedly. The gospel after all those centuries of trying to lift yourself into heaven by worrying about the perfection of your bootstraps suddenly turned out to be a flat announcement that the saved were home before they started because of his love and power grace has to be drunk straight by faith no water no ice and certainly no ginger ale <laughs> i have a problem with that because whiskey and ginger ale is called the presbyterian <laughs> but anyway <clears throat> neither goodness nor badness could be allowed to enter into the case meritocracy, meriting salvation was dethroned with the gift of God we are saved by grace alone as true as that is and as beautiful as it is true it's not the whole truth of what grace does because though we are saved by grace grace is never alone it's what verse 10 all about. We can go back to the scripture passage on that. I, didn't, I don't know if I put that in. Very good. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. All of it by grace. Sometimes we kind of cut the middle of the two verses and we forget the grace part of what that's offering to us. But God brings grace to you, into you, into us, and into the world. And that grace is united to his purpose, uh, good works that he's already prepared. His purpose is to make the lamp a lamp again, to make the bowl a bowl again, to carry water and shine light in the world. We are redeemed, and in our redemption, we taste and see the grace of God, and then we participate because he remakes us, we are his craftsmanship, his workmanship. Then we are vessels for that tasting and seeing in the world. And his mission, his purpose, is to make all things new. When the Bible describes the kind of end game of Christianity, of, of, of all of creation, it's, it's kind of a, a mash-up or a, a, a kind of, um, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Fusion of Eden and a city. And in that city, every tear is wiped away, and the entire city lives in peace and harmony. That's what he's about. Everything is flourishing. And so there's a lot of good work to do. This means God's grace doesn't only forgive your sin and folly, it gives us our agency back. He really does change our heart to want what he wants, and he really does change our hands from being self-protective to serving. This is the grace he brings to us. He forgives and he fuels his purposes in our lives. And so think about it like he heals our wobbling knees, he puts us on a PT plan, creates a path for us, and then bids us walk. Grace never relies on your works, and grace never appears without them. In Presbyterian worlds, we talk about predestination a lot. It's kind of one of our things, kind of a big deal for us, God's sovereign redemption of a rebellious people. But we don't talk about the predestination in this passage to our own folly as much as we should. The other thing that's predestined in this passage is the good works that He's prepared for us. He's predestined our good in the world. That's really good news. He's prepared your life in His redemption, in His grace, to do good things. Even if they're hard things, you can do hard, good things. And grace empowers you to walk a life of love and sacrifice. You get that agency back that you didn't have when you were so self-absorbed. Grace means your life means something. Like like in a world where seeming meaninglessness reigns, that it means something? actually could mean many things. Now hear me, please, especially young people. When I say you're meant to do something, that's not pressure, that's invitation. Because it's born of grace. You don't know the meaning. Heck, I'm almost 50, I still figuring it out. Last week I was sure I was going to law school. And because it's of grace, it doesn't depend on you. It's not find your way in the economy of God. It's enjoy the predestined good work that's before you. And you're find your way in that. It's okay. You were created by grace, you're repaired by grace, and the predestined good works for you are given to you in grace. It's going to be okay. No matter what you've done, grace includes all of your failures, all of your folly, all the ways that you're frustrated about who you are and what you want to be. About, it includes all your insecurity, all the ways you are unsure of your own desires and what you're meant to do. Every day there are predestined good works for you. And we walk in them. So Greece says you're free to fail, to be wrong, to miss the mark, to get up and try the next good thing that has been prepared for you. We don't know what those are going to be. None of you knew what was going to be required you in terms of the good works during the last couple of years of COVID. Nobody knew. You don't have to have a two-week, two-day, two-month, two-year, 20-year plan. It's just the next good thing that you see is before you. You do not know how the path is winding. I don't either. But grace guarantees we know the one who made the path for us. And we know that there is plenty of good we do along that path. And that's where the meaning comes in. You don't make meaning happen. God brings meaning to the world and he's predestined good works for you out of his grace to help you discern what that is. My psychiatrist recommended, you could say prescribed, um, reading uh, Viktor Frankl. This is the third wave of, um, well, it's from my PTSD, but it's from the third wave of kind of the Viennese psychotherapy. Oh, never mind. He has a quote, and it says, Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Adler believed, but a quest for meaning. He's not wrong there. And what makes that so amazing is that those key insights for Frankel came while he was in a concentration camp. On the front of many concentration camps, there is the phrase, Arbeit macht frei, work makes you free. Could be read on the iron gates of many of them. That is, an equation without God's grace. Work equals salvation. It's a lie from the very pits of Nazism, if not hell. And yet what he found there amid literally hellish conditions was that when people were given the option to have meaning and good work in which they did to one another, and for one another, even to their oppressors, that created the meaning. Frankel found something true about the world and about the gospel of Jesus. The good work we do brings the meaning in life. And yet that's not sufficient to tell the full gospel story because the gospel says that he's actually rescued us not by our good work, but for good work. that grace, that rescuing, that freedom, actually precedes it all and then frees us to that good work. Grace makes us free, not work. Grace makes us free, which makes us workers of good. And slowly, oh too slowly sometimes, but surely it becomes not our duty but our delight. You don't have to make up what you're meant for. You certainly don't have to know exactly what it is. God's given you good work this day and tomorrow to do that good work and the fountain of grace that he's given us. You are given meaning. You don't acquire meaning. So, God is preparing for, has, repair, has repaired you by his grace alone. You don't work for it. And his grace has predestined good works for you. Not to work for grace, but because of grace, you work. That's where meaning comes in. And that's in the worst circumstances or the best circumstances. Even in your folly and sin. There is grace. So I've been thinking of a way to kind of talk about this in terms of another metaphor of walking. And so here you go. It's my best shot right now. Grace is a wave. Again, graphics, immaculate. <clears throat> God has hurled a wave of grace and love that crashes into us and through us into the world. Kids, anybody go to the beach? Anybody play in the ocean? Pretty awesome, pretty awesome. You know what you do when you wanna ride a wave? You sit there and you wait for it and then you jump. That's it. Then you let that power and that force take you along. It's so much fun. And all you do is wait and receive the wave. All you do is jump, that's the faith part, into the wave. All the fun, all the joy of a wave is precisely because it's outside of your control. If you haven't been at Redeemer very long, my dad was born and raised and retired in Hawaii, so I'm not lying when I say I've seen the most beautiful waves in the world. Humble brag. If you stand up on the favorite part that I like to to look at the ocean, uh, you see the Ka'ivi Channel, which separates uh, Molokai and Oahu. And on a clear day, what you can see is not just the waves coming in, but these streams, like little highways of how fish travel and how others can travel in the middle of a 26-mile, you can't see a, well, you can see the island, but you can't see all the way through. Anyway, there's these little currents that exist, little on-ramps to further speed. The best canoe teams in Hawaii are the ones that find those currents, or know where they are, or know where they will be. And they just ride the waves. They barely have to paddle. And it propels them with speeds that they can barely control themselves. Yes, it does take effort to follow Jesus. Jesus Following Jesus is the hardest thing I ever do any day of my life. But, grace means I catch waves and I catch currents. And it's still hard, but it's beautiful, and it moves forward, and it becomes good work. Not that, you can't earn a wave, but you can ride one. You don't create waves, you don't control waves, you don't contribute to waves. You get caught up in a wave. My metaphor might be breaking down, but I'm gonna keep going. Paddling toward grace will make you sweat. It's effort. It's not passive. It's not merit. It's participation. The stage is set for grace. All around you is only grace. You can't earn a wave. You can't earn grace. And sometimes grace just sweeps you up even if you don't jump. when you realize that the waves are awesome and that you don't have power over the waves, you'll do anything in your power to ride the wave. We don't create waves, we don't control waves, we don't contribute waves, we get caught up in waves. In fact, again, metaphor still breaking down, the best canoers have to learn a new skill. Not just finding the currents or the waves, but learning how to row and live within them because it can take you faster than you're ready. That's how grace works too. It's a tumult of kindness. It's still a tumult, and it is problematic feeling at times, but it is still grace nonetheless. But he's giving you agency to canoe, to to paddle as best you can to find the currents, to ride the waves, to learn to manage those things. And if you fall off, you're falling off into grace. It's all gonna be okay. So the good works that are prepared for us, to paddle along, to catch the wave, to learn how to navigate a wave, if you fall off and miss it, it's gonna be fine. It's just a new skill you're developing in a whole new world that is born of grace. So what we do is we take our next wave. It's been predestined for you. It's a beautiful mix of pure mercy and predestined good work. Having faith in Jesus means you have done a trust fall into the arms of God, or better, the ocean of God. And so we ride. And it's going to be okay. For we we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Please help us not treat the good works you give us as like a duty that needs to be earned. just, Just erase that from us. Let us love and enjoy our agency, the good work you've called us to. Not as pressure to perform, but as a life to enjoy. We pray in your name. Amen.